Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad that you have joined us for today's conversation. And our goal and mission here at Church Leadership Podcast is to encourage and equip you to lead in your local church. And so every conversation that we have here on the podcast is aimed to do just that. And I know today's conversation is going to do that as well. And before we get to that conversation, though, I do want to remind you to go over and subscribe to our podcast. If you're listening to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, there's a way to subscribe there. We're on every available uh, podcast app you can imagine. If you're watching on YouTube, and you already know how to do this. Just hit the subscribe button, hit that little notification bell so you don't miss a single episode. And we would love for you to rate our podcast. You can go into your podcast app and do that. Or the easiest way to do that is to go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. Uh, and you can rate our podcast. And you can always go and check out our show notes for each and every episode at our website, churchleadershippodcast.com. Now, here is today's conversation. We are so glad you've joined us this week on the podcast. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, today we have Jennifer Foster, and Jennifer serves as the Minister of Family Discipleship and Administration there at Heritage Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. And Jennifer, we are just tickled to death, as they say here in the South, to have you on the podcast with us this week. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, Jennifer, you and I met several years ago, um, actually, when I was taking a, a seminar uh, in my doctoral program at Heritage, and uh, Tiemann was helping lead that, and uh, you, I think, assisted during part of that or something, and so we got to cross paths there and and kind of followed your, your ministry a little bit uh, from a distance, not too far, though. I mean, you know, we're not too far from Montgomery. Alabama. That's right. That's right. But God has used you in different uh, roles in ministry, and uh, you've recently made a transition to the family discipleship and administration. Um, but you've learned a lot of lessons, I'm sure, along the way about leadership, and that's one of your, I think, passions. And so, uh, maybe maybe start by telling us a little bit about your story, and then some of the lessons you've learned about leadership along the way. Sure. Um, when I was six years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I prayed with my mom and my dad, um, and that is um, the beginning of my walk with Christ. And when I was in the second grade, somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I told them I wanted to be a foreign missionary. And so beginning in the second grade, the Lord began to plant those seeds of call in my life. And um, my husband and I did serve as um, international missionaries in Japan for a couple of years. And then while we were in Japan, and the Lord began to um, redefine that call back to the local church. And I came back to America and served at First Baptist Piedmont in Calhoun County um, mm. for four and a half years doing preschool and children's ministry there. And then for the past 13 years, I've been here in Montgomery at Heritage Baptist Church um, doing preschool and children's ministry until just recently. Um, in fact, probably within, yeah, within the last month, April the 25th, I'm um, doing family discipleship 
and administration. And so this is um, a new step in that journey, a new um, a sense of call in, in God's unfolding plan for my life. And you're right, leadership is um, very important um, to me. Um, I'm working on my PhD in Christian leadership at New Orleans. And uh, so being able to look at leadership theory and think, what is distinctively Christ-like about leadership, um, and how do we lead from the lead from the position of servanthood? Um, and that too is um, an ever unfolding process for me as I'm learning and growing in that. That's great. What a what a testimony. I mean, I'm hearing some wonderful things there that are just a blessing to hear of how God has worked in your life and used you to be serving at the same church with the same staff people for such a long time to have such a specific calling on your life. And even now to be flexible and to be willing to make changes after you've been doing some of the same things for such a long time, just to, to serve Jesus and his local church. That's fantastic. And to, to have such a, uh, a desire to want to grow not only in your own personal leadership, but to help others as well. And we, we want to just ask you a little bit more about that. What have you seen uh, in your time in ministry, not only as a, a, a lady serving in ministry, but even more specifically serving in the local church? What have you seen in leadership that that you have uh, had to maybe change your mind about or, or learn more about or or has really shocked you maybe over the last few years and and I know this last year what we've gone through has been quite a, a interesting time and a lot of our, our theories have been tested and, and maybe even yeah. thrown out the window but what have you seen over the course of your time in ministry and leading in the local church some things that maybe have either caught you off guard or some things that you've had to adapt and change mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that is such a great question. And particularly the past um, almost 18 months now that we have um, been wrestling with COVID and words like pre-pandemic, pandemic, and post-pandemic <laughs> are in our vocabulary and, and Zooming and all of those things that are new to us. Um, there really isn't a way we could have anticipated what that would look like. And um, I read not too terribly long ago, um, a great piece you guys are probably familiar with it, Todd Bolsinger's Canoeing the Mountains. Um, And he um, uses the story of Lewis and Clark, how they were ready with their canoes to find the water route to the Pacific and they encounter mountains instead. And so um, that's kind of where we're living is we have bumped up against a mountain and all of the strategies that worked in the past are not necessarily the strategies that are going to carry us into the future. Mm. And that is terrifying and exciting at the same time. And letting go of those things that were so comfortable and that worked so well for us in ministry and going, okay, Lord, (laughs) you see our canoes, they work well for a really long time. Now, what do we do with those canoes to get up this mountain? Um, and I think that's where many of us are in church life is, is repurposing the canoes of our past so that they, in this moment, um, are connecting with people, um, how they need to know Jesus, how they need to grow to be disciples of Jesus. And then how do we reach more people um, in this post-pandemic culture? And it's going to look so different. The future looks very very, very different than the past. And, right. um, and, and that's what we, as a church family, that's what we're wrestling with. That's a lot of what our staff conversations are. Um, and that sense of change, um, that is a very good thing, but it can be a very frightening thing. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Steinke, 
talks about leadership and church health in this idea of systems. And he talks about the leader having a non-anxious presence. And that's where I've been living for the past 18 months. Okay, Lord Jesus, help me to be the non-anxious presence. Because every time we turn on the news, um, whatever station we look at, whatever social media feed, there is anxiety everywhere, not just COVID related, um, but social justice related, economy related, what's going on in the Middle East. There's anxiety everywhere. And my life verse is Isaiah 32, 17, and it says, for the fruit of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Um, And now as I'm transitioning jobs and um, have all of these things running through my brain, the Wi-Fi not working in this moment, you know, (laughs) give me that non-anxious presence that comes from walking with you. And some Mm. days I nail it spot on and other days it is a disaster, but there is grace in that moment. Um, But that's what God calls us to do as leaders, that our security um, is in him. And so we don't have to fear the change. Our creativity is in him. So we can be entrepreneurs in um, a spiritual sense, in a church sense, because he's the one that's guiding us in that. And we just have to figure out what he is doing and be a part of that. Reminds me of um, Henry Blackaby way on back, you know, um, experiencing God, seeing where God is moving and joining him there. Um, and, And so that's where we're living. That is awesome. Uh, what an encouragement. And, you know, you mentioned something kind of along this lines um, in one of the things you're writing for your PhD, mm-hmm. um, one of uh, a series of entries that you're writing, but one that really caught my attention is related to what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And that's leaders and emotional health. Yeah. Um, and I think the time in which we're living right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, emotional health for a pastor and a leader was already you know, questionable, but, right. oh man, I mean, we're, we're at a, you know, five alarm fire yes. emergency in, in terms of emotional health for so many leaders. What, what has God helped you discover along mm-hmm. the lines of, of, of good leadership and emotional health and that, that correlation? Um, there is a very helpful piece that I read recently by um, Jenny Catron, um, and the title of that piece is, let me see if I can find that, Four Dimensions. It's Four Dimensions of a Leader's Life, where she looks at um, the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength, and how all four of those um, working together um, lead to um, spiritual health, emotional health, um, intellectual health, relational health, but um, particularly the things that the Lord keeps reminding me of um, are not life-changing. They are not radical. They're things I know to be true. It's Jennifer, have you spent time with me today? Mm Jennifer, have you opened God's word? Have have you let me minister your truth into my soul? Um, Have you spent time in prayer, like really praying, not the laundry list, but really praying? Um, And for me, um, even like physically getting down on my hands and knees, just that reminder of submission. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if not, I can just breeze through my day and go, oh, yeah but I've been at your house all day long, Lord, (laughs) but doing all this stuff for you. And God's like, have you been with me? Yeah, Yeah. you've been with my people, but have you been with me? Um, And a leader cannot take care of other people unless we first take care of ourselves spiritually and otherwise. Um, And so that is 
the prayer, the Bible study, and then um, I'm, I am leaving. My birthday is this week, and I am going to a cabin where there is very little internet access, where there is not a telephone, <laughs> and my husband and I are going to spend about three days there, and um, nobody can reach me, and that is going to be such a beautiful moment. We are going to be refreshing. Exactly. And I cannot wait. (laughs) So making sure that whatever those moments look like. Now, I haven't had a moment like that in months. And so it's intentionality um, to do that. And it's not checking my emails or checking my um, social media feed, all that sort of stuff. Um, Another thing I've done is I've taken notifications off my cell phone, except for the weather, um, because I'm in charge of people and I need to make sure I keep them safe. Um, But I don't have all of those notifications on my Mm. phone, even the really nice, let's pray for such and such people group that I did have coming. It was just too much. And, Mm. And so I just really had to pare down what information that I'm letting come because it information is coming at us all the time. And so for me, my emotional health means I need to be the curator of my own information um, and nobody can do that for me. Um, and so making sure that um, that as best as it's in my sphere of influence, I kind of control that information that I take in um, and that I'm not just mindlessly scrolling social media. That seems restful, but it's not. Mm. Um, It creates anxiety as well. And then surrounding myself with others, um, having um, girlfriends that I spend time with, um, having um, time with my husband, uh, that sort of thing. So that um, through God's word and through time alone with him, um, intentionally taking breaks, watching my social media and my technology, and then surrounding myself with others. Those are um, pretty basic things. But when we get all stressed and overwhelmed, we can look and maybe one or two of those things are missing. Getting a good night's sleep, that's basic. But it is no mark of sainthood to spend hours and hours awake (laughs) and not getting the sleep that you need to have because we can't serve. This is our one body that we have to serve Jesus with. And so we got to take care of it. That's That's very true. That's, That's very true. So the things you're talking about so far today, I mean, that's right in our wheelhouse, talking about leadership and emotional health, but there's something else that you're passionate about that Mark and I uh, are, are very passionate about, and that is disciple making, discipleship. Uh, that's not only your title, but we understand that that's part of, of your life and, and what mm-hmm. you feel like God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. And we are very excited about the current trend in ministry and in churches that has shifted back to an emphasis on biblical disciple making. Mm-hmm. What have you seen over the last few years? And, and even you're welcome to mention how uh, COVID has affected that. But what have you seen over the last few years about how a lot of churches are beginning to see the emptiness and in busyness mm-hmm. in the organization, like we are seeing emotional health and leaders how that is is not good and how we need to maybe clear up all the clutter in the business in our church calendars and schedules and programming and focus on getting back to what we're supposed to be doing disciple making that is one of my um, lead tasks at the moment is as we are beginning to open up our church again this past sunday was our first sunday and um, without masks and people singing and we could actually wow. hear voices so we've mm-hmm. um are been a little bit slower maybe than some of our sister churches in that um but beginning to open up our campus again and in doing that we're really having to think okay what do we bring back 
and what do we leave pre-COVID? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are essential for our disciple-making mission? And what things just drain away time and energy and resources? Um, I've had even a couple of conversations this week. One of the things um, that is intriguing me is this connection between leadership and discipleship. Um, Some work has been done there, and and there are some people that kind of equate those. I'm not sure I would do that entirely, but they certainly influence each other in pretty profound ways Um, because the more we become like Jesus, the more that we are able to lead and bring others along in that process. And so, in my less than one month time um, here in this particular task, that's what um, we are beginning to work on is some leadership development and some discipleship. Um, we historically, our churches had um, the Sunday night model um, where you had the training union experience and then you had the Sunday night worship. And um, we stopped doing that about 15 years ago, I think. And so we have what's called greenhouse. And those are um, the idea of, of learn, plant, grow, just like a plant would in a greenhouse environment. And we had small groups all around our campus. Um, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the viable step for the future. Um, I am not sure um, that uh, we will be able to do discipleship without some sort of digital presence, um, without some sort of um, technology, with um, continuing to have groups not meet on our church campus. And so um, what does that look like meeting at the coffee shop on a Thursday um, or after you play a round of golf? And I'm not just talking about having a little devotion. That's not it. I'm talking about discipleship where you're memorizing scripture, where you are praying for each other. And so we're, y'all, we're exploring that. We don't know. That's not a model that has been familiar to us. So we are trying to figure out what that looks like contextually for us. Right. you know, in this post-COVID time. And then we have this interesting thing for for years now, this transition in Sunday school. You know, Sunday school started, the point of Sunday school is evangelism, open groups, um, new people coming in, they could pick up, they could start anywhere, you know, everybody felt welcome. And so many of our Sunday school groups have almost become kind of closed, more discipleship type groups. Um, and so how do we re-engage the Sunday school group um, for evangelism, yet have a discipleship component? And um, and that's what we're trying to um, because still that's our number one time where our folks are on our campus is yep. we call them life groups and it's that um, hour before church um, but rethinking those so that maybe they are um, maybe we have a series of micro groups that kind mm-hmm. of intrigues me um, having uh, you know one to two to one on two that kind of deal um, so we don't know uh, there are so many different trends out there and we're looking at those but we don't just want to follow trends I've been in places where we've taken a big name model and tried to cookie cutter that in our environment and my goodness that does not work no, <laughs> we are not east coast west coast we are Montgomery Alabama <laughs> and so that's where and that's the beauty of it is to be our local church here in this local environment environment. Um, and so we're where many folks are trying to figure out what does that look like after COVID? Well, I think that's all of us. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. even pre-COVID, I mean, we're trying mm-hmm. to figure that's out what, what, what pieces of the puzzle fit, what pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle need to go, you mm-hmm. know, um, and we're proponents of simplicity, less is more. And so 
you know, we talk about those environments too and what each environment is supposed to do, making disciples. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's exciting to hear that. Uh, I do, before we close, I want to ask you about one other subject, kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, hopefully the listeners and watchers won't get whiplashes. We switch gears here, but um, I mean, you're a female in, in leadership, you're a female in ministry. You've been in ministry for a while. And, you know, there's a, obviously a hot topic among churches, especially in our denomination um, currently. And, uh, you know, who knows what the, the national meeting in, uh, in a few weeks will look like. But, you know, there's this idea of women in ministry. And for whatever reason, it, it, that, that debate has raged on now for decades and it doesn't seem to be going away. And so we just wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, the current climate of of the debate but also just your understanding of, of being a woman in ministry for that many years um you know what what does that look like to you and 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 you know how do you view the current context and um, the way i think about that best and when i'm asked about it because i am asked frequently um i have to approach it from my perspective and my experience my story that i've lived out um and knowing articulating when I was a second grader that there was some sort of call on my life in my second grade sort of way. And then when I was 14 years old, I made that call public in my local church that um, I was called to ministry. I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like for me, because quite frankly, um, I thought that I could either be a pastor's wife or a missionary. I thought those were my only two options because that's all that I saw um, growing up. And so I was like, well, if the Lord's calling me, it's got to be one of those two things. And um, as in, and we were able to do that and serve on um, the international mission field, but coming back, that call to the local church in ministry, particularly preschool children's ministry, um, that's my background in education and being able to um, partner with parents to help their kiddos grow up loving Jesus, all of those things that was just so clearly cemented in my heart and those doors just opened. Um, and so going on a church staff, I'm there to do a job, the job that the Lord called me to do and that the church called me to do. And so um, operating within those boundaries that the Lord established for me, preschool and children's ministry, and doing my best work there. And so I took that with me when I came here to um, Heritage Baptist Church and Brother Tiemann partnering with him. Um, He came, I'd been here about a year when he came, so he inherited me. Um, (laughs) And and he has given me such great freedom to operate um, under his leadership. He's the pastor. Y'all, I am not called to be the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church. And he is called, it is his vision. But within that, I have been able to have great freedom to live out my giftedness inside a beautiful and affirming way. And unfortunately, that's not the experience in our state or our convention with many of my colleagues in preschool children's ministry or adult ministry, those of us who are women. Um, And that is so unfortunate because God has called and equipped both men and women for ministry. And if we look at this spectrum, whether it's patriarchy or matriarchy, they're both fallen expressions of what God designed, that we need each other and not male dominated, not female dominated, but man and woman serving God together. Mm. 
And so I haven't come at this thing with an agenda, um, but merely walking through open doors as the Lord has done that. And that's the only way I know to do life. Um, if there's an opportunity to speak and affirm other women. It is to follow that calling, that your calling is from the Lord. It is real. It is valid. And you live into that reality. Um, I remember reading Isaiah chapter six and the Lord just said, you know, I am calling you. And it was a here I am send me moment. And every step along the way, um, well, there have been some, let me back up on that. Um, there have been some times that have been less than affirming, but I haven't lived there um, because my calling is not to please people. It's to please the Lord yeah. and to live in um, that, that call that he's placed on my life. And so as long as I am being faithful to him and not a denominational agenda, um, not a, even a theological approach, but just like, hey, you know, today, Jesus, I just want to serve you where you've placed me the best that I can. Amen. And God honors that. And so uh, over, above my door um, to help me remember just all of life, I put notes everywhere, um, lest I forget, but above my door, I um, kind of typed out, it says to have um, a heart of humility and an attitude of service. Hmm. And that's how I have to go about my day. And I need that reminder, lest I get caught up in myself, but to have an attitude of humility and a heart of, or heart of humility and an attitude of service. Hmm. And that, whether we are male or female in um, church world, business world, that's how we, God calls us to do life is, is right. putting others before ourselves to love God with all of our heart and then love his people. So that's awesome. And I, yeah. I think you not coming with an agenda mm-hmm. is a great model and example for Absolutely. all of us, not just yeah. females in ministry, but males in ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, God has used that uh, in your life. Um, and I think he's opened doors and avenues that maybe wouldn't have been open because of that attitude. I love that. So, you know, we always finish with an encouraging moment, but you just gave it. That's it. Yeah. Heart of humility and attitude of service. What a great encouragement for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you have encouraged us talking about leadership today and talking about calling on your life and disciple making and discipleship. And I think what you mentioned here at the end is very encouraging to any ladies who might be watching or listening to this episode. I mean, there's a, there's a place at the table for those who have not made it here yet, you know, and and some of those may be very reserved or shy about, you know, stepping forward saying God has called me because maybe they feel pigeonholed of only being able to do certain things. And like you said, if you're just willing to give your life over to Jesus and let him take and do with it what he wants with that heart and that attitude of, of humility and servanthood, that's that's the way to do that. So thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Well, Dr. Thank you. Dr. Judy Jackson um, encouraged me with those words. I don't know if y'all um, probably, you know, Alan and Judy Jackson from New Orleans. And so that's where I got that from. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. And, yeah. and Jennifer, thank you so much for your time oh, and, uh, and spending a few moments with us. And I know that this conversation, it's encouraged us. And I know it's encouraged and equipped those watching and listening uh, to lead in their local church. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 